Let's pray again. God, we are grateful that you are great. Grateful, God, for your rich provision for us, your care over us. We're grateful that you are faithful. We're grateful, God, that you, even though we are in separate places, are here. And we're grateful, God, for your word. So as we come in these troubled times, in these times of coronavirus, the times of uncertainty, uh, we pray that, God, daily we would uh, set our eyes to you as one who is our everything. And that we would trust you, have faith in you as one who loves his people. And even now, God, as we come to your word, we, we listen intently to uh, the reality of the things that you have to say to us in such a time as this. So open our eyes, our ears, our hearts uh, to your living word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In all of my growing up years, there was always a message delivered from my parents that I was to never give up, that I was to finish what I started. Uh, it was found in the familiar message of eating your vegetables and cleaning your plate, and it transferred in time to more profound places in which there was struggles in life, and yet uh, that legacy from my mom and from my dad to never give up and to trust in God was the very thing that got me through. As I thought about that, the only exception to that rule was in junior high. Um, I uh, signed up to join the wrestling team and in my first match, I got pinned in about 32 seconds. Uh, I shared with my dad that I, that I didn't think that wrestling was for me, and surprisingly, he let me quit. So that is the only thing that my parents ever let me give up. Well, this week has to, it was to be the last week of our series in Colossians. It's a text of farewell from Paul to the church in Colossae, and I came to it especially knowing the times in which we live. I, I, I struggled as to whether we just would skip it and, and uh, move to something more relevant for the day, a day such as this, or, like I was taught, that we would push through and finish what we started as we have been walking through Colossians since the beginning of the year. Uh, to my surprise, God seemed to be leading me into the text rather than to skip it. Uh, it's a text, quite frankly, that I would have never picked to preach on in such a time as this, but one which God seemed to be saying to me, do you not realize, Rick, that when you started Colossians, when, when I put it on your heart to begin Colossians at the beginning of the year, that somehow I knew that there would be a coronavirus and that I knew that this this very Sunday would be a Sunday that you're online and not live, and, and, and that I knew that this would be the text that would be there for you to preach. And so as confusing as that was, I, I sensed that God was saying, dig into the text and figure it out, Stoffer, as to how this text becomes relevant to the day in which we live. And so I have. And today we finish strong uh, the book of Colossians, and I want us to turn to that text this morning, Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. So if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn there, Colossians chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through 18. I want us to remember, or if you're just joining us today, to, to realize 
some of the things that have been happening in this book as we come to this very last text. Paul has prayed in chapter 1 that the church of Colossae would be filled with the wisdom and understanding of Jesus. Because in Jesus is everything, and he wanted that church to know that everything, all things were created by him and through him and in him that all things held together. Paul, at the beginning of this book, makes much of Jesus. And the kicker of this book is that as we move from chapter 2 to chapter 3, that that we find that our identity is all together in Jesus, that, that he has rescued us from death, that he's given us life, that we were baptized in his death, but we were resurrected with him in his own resurrection and given life. And, and therefore, since now we have this identity in Christ, we are to live out that identity in every aspect of life. We are in our lives to make much of Jesus. And those of you here at Covenants know that that's been the overarching theme of this book, is making much of Jesus. Paul spends some time reminding us of the greatness of who Jesus is and our identity in him so that we might live in a way that makes much of him in our everyday lives. Quite frankly, all great stuff that would prepare us for heading into a world in crisis. And here's how he finishes this chapter out. This is the way he closes it out. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. This is the very word of God. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Aeropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, and grace be with you. See, I told you it wasn't the typical text that we might cover on a day like this, but what is it saying and what does it say for us today as we face coronavirus and world health crisis? Well, you know that I like to give you a sermon in a thought that helps us to hang the rest of our time on something that is stable and good. And so here would be my thought is how these things come together. The the really uh, truth, the reality of the truth that that God has in us in Colossians and in this very text for such a day is this. Uh, The the sermon and the thought is this. We, God's people, need, maybe especially when we struggle, 
We need a community of people in our lives who want to make much about Jesus. We need, maybe especially when we struggle, a community of people in our lives who want to make much about Jesus. Let me introduce you to Paul's community in his crisis. Uh, Let me introduce you to Paul's band of brothers as he sits in prison in Rome. Uh, If you've studied the Apostle Paul at all, you know that he has very few filters in what he says. What what he says is pretty much what he's thinking. So, So when he speaks about people in his letters, it is highly authentic. It is It is not like Paul to just give empty platitudes to the people around him. Maybe you've had someone like this in your own life, a parent, a a teacher, or a coach. Uh, Someone whom you might have even thought didn't particularly like you because they never complimented you, never said affirming things to you. But when they did, it was like the world stopped and everything changed and, and you received it with the weight that it was intended. That though they had not sent things along the way, when they finally looked your way and complimented you on something, you knew they meant something huge. Or or maybe the opposite is true as well, uh, that you've had someone in your life that has always positive about everything. And you enjoyed their positivity and you received it as authentic and from the heart. But when they gave you a compliment, uh, sometimes you didn't wait it as much as you might wait the former. My guess is that Paul is much more like the first than the second. My guess is that he didn't have lots of platitudes and compliments that came easily. But when he gave them, people's world stopped and people understood the weight of his affirmation. So let's look quickly together at these guys that Paul lists as his community, his band of brothers, and the compliments that he gives them as we walk through them. Tychicus is a beloved brother, Paul says, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord, that Paul has trusted with the letter of Colossians, as well as his greetings and his teaching to take back to the church in Colossae. We also learn later in the scriptures that Tychicus is also entrusted by Paul several times, both to the church in Ephesus and to the church in Corinth. And actually, we are told that Tychicus was an asset to Paul on his third missionary journey. He was a dear and beloved friend, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. He was, a, he was one who made much about Jesus, and Paul recognized it and welcomed it and cherished it. As he did Onesimus. And do you remember the story of this guy? This guy is actually a a runaway slave. He he was a slave to a significant family in Colossae, under the uh, master of of Philemon, and and he ran away. And and indeed, he ran to Rome, and in Rome he met Paul and was converted to Christ and and was discipled by Paul. And and so then Paul now is sending him back. Onesimus is is coming back, and, and Paul says, not only is he a beloved brother, but he is one of you. Uh, His life transformation has been huge. And and Paul takes this former slave, now a a servant of the Lord Jesus, and he's sending them back to Colossae and and to Philemon and saying, listen, uh, accept this man. He is one whom is well-pleasing to me. Another amazing man of God, a trusted messenger of the Apostle Paul. Next, we we see the three Jews, and 
It sounds like we're starting a bad joke. But, but we, we, we hear the reality that Paul is talking about three men who are in the circumcision group. They are likely Jews with him. And, and one of the things we have to recognize that is in this day in which Paul lives, those who were Jews who became Christ followers were always under the risk, as, as Stephen was stoned, as others have been killed, as Paul has been indeed threatened with his life, will end up giving his life uh, as he spends time in prison. These Jews were always at risk in being Christ followers that they too would be imprisoned. And, and so we meet three of them that Paul depends upon. First is Aristarchus. Uh, Paul lists him as a fellow prisoner in the Lord, and so there is someone in prison with him in Rome who is facing the very same thing that Paul is. And then we have Mark, which, by the way, is the first normal name we've gotten to, right? So if, if you're pregnant and you need some good names, there's lots of good names in here, and Mark is the first normal. But you've got to love Mark's story here. Uh, this is the very Mark that, that came between Paul and Barnabas before the second missionary journey. Because on the first missionary journey, he chickened out and ran home to his mother. And then on the second missionary journey, Barnabas says, let's take John Mark. And Paul says, no, because he chickened out on us and ran home to his mommy. And so there was this division. And Mark is not one that has been held in high favor of Paul before. But here we hear that he's one that is now loved by Paul. And so we see this reconciliation even in relationships and how much Paul valued Mark and then we see Jesus, also called Justice, whom we only see in the scriptures in this mention. But, but here is what it says of all of them, these, these three Jews that are suffering with Paul. He says they have been a comfort to me. Now, my opinion of the Apostle Paul is someone who is not easily comforted. <laughs> not someone who is easily open to being cared for by others. He's more a get-it-done-by-yourself, pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps kind of guy. And yet, he not only conceded to their comforting, but he cherishes it here. He loves them, honors them, because they have been a comfort to him in his struggle. Next is Epaphras. This is the guy who, who gets saved at a tent meeting in Ephesus while on a business trip. And then he returns to his hometown and he starts a church in Colossae. The very church that Paul is now writing to. He's been a faithful servant of Jesus, Paul says. An extremely faithful advocate, especially in prayer for the churches around Colossae. And maybe to me the most impressive thing that Paul says about him is he is a hard worker. Uh, that's impressive to me because I'm not sure there's another servant in Christ in the scripture who worked harder, sacrificed more, and experienced more difficulty than the Apostle Paul. So when he calls Epaphras a hard worker, it says something more profound than I think any of us can begin to understand. He was valued and cherished, and his affirmation was weighted upon Epaphras as a great brother in Christ. Finally, and we are getting to the end of the list of this community that he has, we have Luke, who here is simply a beloved physician, but we know through the book of Acts, which Luke wrote, that he traveled extensively with Paul to deal with his multiple health issues along the way. He's not underscored here in any significant way, probably because the church was unfamiliar with who he was, but he is one who has been uniquely faithful to Paul as his physician. And then to prove that not everyone gets accolades, we have Demas, who here only says hello, 
and there's nothing really special mentioned about him. The reason being is we will see in 2 Timothy that Demas actually deserted Paul as one who is in love with the present world. So get it, and not everyone in the community is outstanding, is weighted in their affirmation of Paul. So here's the question as we travel through all of these significant men. Why make much of these men? And what in the world does this have to do with the crisis of our world today? Well, what I'd like to do is underscore, maybe double underscore and highlight these men. Because they indeed are an important community, a strong community for Paul. And I want to do that because I want to point out the fact that we, indeed as God's people, as we walk in crisis, as we walk through this health scenario in our world, need such community. A community of men, a community of women, a community of people around us, a community of Christians that are willing to give their lives to make much of Jesus. I want you to see that the Apostle Paul, a strong man, and certainly one of the most influential men of all of Christendom, needed a strong community, and he put people around him that made him better, that made him aware of the greatness of Jesus, people that made much of Jesus. And so, I want us to see our need in that. That as Paul found those people in his isolation, in his imprisonment, that we would find those people in this day, in the midst of our isolation, in the midst of this virus. And so I ask you an important question today. Who is your community in this crisis? Who are the people that you're placing around you, that you're talking to, that you're confiding in, that you're sharing with? Are they people who are making much of Jesus? Or are they people who are making much of the opinions of this world? Are they people operating in fear? Or are they people operating in faith? Are they people running after worthless explanations? Or are they people running after Jesus to see how to make much of him in a time such as this? The letter of Colossians was written to a church that was failing because of a big word called syncretism. They were mixing all of the world's thoughts with the thoughts of Jesus, and Jesus was getting minimized as only a piece of their lives. That would be so easy to do in the days that we now live. That we want to listen to Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. We want to listen to what the latest statistics are. We want to listen to what the latest people are saying about the latest statistics. And, and we get so caught up in the realities of the world that we've minimized the reality of Jesus in these days. And there are a lot of people that we can find in our communities that lead us to that path. And all I'm saying is, listen, Paul, in the midst of his isolation, didn't find people that hated Rome, that hated the people who put him in prison. He didn't find people to complain and whine or, or be obsessed with the things in their context. He found people that made much of Jesus. 
That was his band of brothers. That was his community. And I think it's his encouragement by his example that we would do the same. So again, I ask you, who have you surrounded yourself with in your isolation in the midst of this crisis? I encourage you, pretty much implore you, out of the authority of the scriptures, to reach out to a Tychicus, to an Onesimus, to an Epaphras in your life. And in this amazing day of technology, start conversations today that make much of Jesus, that operate in faith, that pursue the one who can save us, that will join you in praying together for our nation and our world. Who's your community? I pray indeed that you would be a Tychicus, that you would be an Epaphras, but that indeed God would reveal who those people are in your lives and that today you begin to have conversations that make much of Jesus with them. But hear one more thing from this text. Paul did not only experience a strong community in crisis, he actually encouraged it. What does he tell the church of Colossae in this text to do with the letter of Colossians? He instructs them to share it. Was it because he thought it was such a good letter or that he somehow knew it was going to be part of the Bible someday? I I don't think so. I really think Paul knew that a large part of the solution to the problems in Colossae were not going to be solved in a letter. But more were going to be solved when people, when churches sought for answers to those problems together. So Paul says to share this letter with the people of Laodicea. And likewise, when you share this letter with the people of Laodicea, read the letter that I sent to Laodicea. And then go to a couple of those house churches that have started. One by Nympha, there's a good name for you. And another by Archippus, which is where Philemon and Onesimus went to church. And and encourage them. Here's a crazy thought, church. That churches ought to be working with one another in the days of crisis, rather than staking their territorial rights to people and ministry. I mean, what would likely happen when the church of Colossae shared letters with the church of Laodicea? Well, they would compare and contrast both their issues as well as the solutions that Paul addresses. There would be conversations about the greatness of Jesus, making much of Jesus, and therefore the challenge of how they might live this out, again, making much of Jesus. And church, what an incredible time to be doing the same in our crisis today. Do do you know that today there are thousands of churches putting their services online as we are? Do you know that there are pastors all over the Shenango Valley, all over the state of Pennsylvania, all over the nation, who are hearing from God with regard to this very crisis, who are putting those thoughts on social media for all of us to share. And what great unity there is in the church today that all of us are sure are addressing this issue through the scriptures in some way, that God is speaking in marvelous and mighty ways through His people. And it's all on the internet, which you're watching. Listen, in Paul's day, to share the letter meant a day's journey on a specified day and organizing a get-together and probably having a meal. But, But today, with a click of button, you can share this message. You can share what God has shared with us, with someone else, 
And listen, you now have permission from your pastor to go onto the website of that church you always wanted to go to but never have. Listen to what they have to say today with regard to what God is sharing with them with regard to this great crisis. And get this, we not only have a chance to do that with other believers in other churches, but we have an opportunity to change the conversation for unbelievers as well, who may be searching for hope in this day of uncertainty. So here's my practical advice, which quite frankly was first the advice of Paul. Share this message. And share the other messages that you hear that touch your heart and bring encouragement and hope to you. Not because they're so good, but because it continues a great conversation with others that make much of Jesus, who is ultimately the one who will see us through this virus. Here's a crazy thought from your pastor. Go watch other services. Go watch other messages that are being streamed online today all over the nation. And I'm not talking necessarily about the ones that you might typically go and watch. I'm thinking about contacting a family member who lives somewhere else in the United States and ask how to access the message that they've put online. And then share the message that we're sharing. And then have a conversation on the phone that makes much of Jesus, that brings hope. And and then share them with other people. That as we share in this crisis together, we might share in His Word, that we might share in the hope of Jesus, and that we might do it together even though this day we are separated. My final encouragement for us quickly is this, to change our what if. To change our what if. What if. It is often in uncertain times that we default to a negative what if in our lives. What if I get the virus? What if we go into another economic crisis over the virus? What if I lose my job? What if this happens? What if that happens? And all of those things begin to overwhelm us. But my challenge for us as Christ followers is that we change our what if. What if God in the midst of all of this is strengthening your faith, my faith? What if in the midst of this God is strengthening my family? What if in the midst of this, God is going to strengthen his church? What if in all of this, God is going to exponentially get his word out to the world of his goodness, his mercy, and his grace? It is not a denial of the reality of the seriousness of the situation. But it is trusting that God is at work always at work, always sufficient, listen, to finish the stories that he has started and doing so for his glory. How do we make that change? How do we change the what if in our hearts and our minds? Well, watch closely the community that you hang with in these days. And make sure you have a ticket kiss on your team and, and let's together share our stories, our struggles, and the solution that God sends to the end that we make, like, may make much of Jesus. Covenant Church, let's keep praying. Praying for ourselves. Praying for one another. That indeed, we might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
so as to walk in a manner today that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in our knowledge of God. Let's pray. God, that it would be so that we would see and know the mighty and marvelous thing that you are doing in our midst, even in uncertainty and in struggle. We pray that by your spirit you would change our what if. We begin to see you in the midst of all that is happening and that we might be ambassadors to communicate it. So we pray for the churches of the Shenango Valley. We pray for the churches around our state and around our nation and around the world. That today would be a day that where there is great unity in fighting a unified battle. With a unified voice of hope that the world would know and make much of you, Lord Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. I'm going to invite you to sing a closing psalm with us uh, this morning called Be the Center. And it is that sentiment that God indeed would be at the center of our lives, the center of our communications, at the center of our communities, that we might make much of him.